0: Welcome to another edition of the Delaware Valley Journal podcast. I'm Michael Graham with Delaware Valley Journal. More and more people running for U.S. Senate, running for governor, and we are delighted to have wrangled one of them into the podcast. Notorious Republican political strategist, Charlie Giroux, uh, is here, as well as our news editor, Linda Stein. Charlie, welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, it's nice to be welcomed with the word notorious, but here I am, I'm (laughs) delighted to
0: be with you. Well, I want to start with that because, you know, for a lot of people, they hear political, you know, strategists, whatever, and they think of nefarious characters and backrooms and cigar smoking deals, et cetera. So I'd like to know, what is it about politics that caught you? How did you catch the politics bug?
1: I mean, quite bluntly, I political strategist is what the media describes me as being many times because it's a very small part of the business that I run, which is a communications company. And obviously, politics needs communications from time to time. And we've done that very successfully. But we've fought against taxes in Pennsylvania on a variety of different levels. We fought for transportation funding so that our roads and bridges are safe. Once again, we have fought for a variety of things that had nothing to do with politics per se. But unfortunately, my friends in the media sometimes focus on the little bit at the apex that we do. And so they tag you accordingly. But my background has been largely on the business side of our communications company. And that's where I spend most of my time.
0: But as somehow you got involved in like, for example, I used to run campaigns for a living. I've been a political junkie since I was a kid. Uh, I don't know what it was. All my friends were following, you know, who was uh, starting for the Atlanta Braves because I'm from down south and I was following who the Republicans were going to nominate for the U.S. Senate. So was that you?
1: No, I was following who was going to start for the Philadelphia Phillies (laughs) and uh, crying, (laughs) crying myself to sleep when the uh, games ended. But uh, I grew up. You know, pretty much a normal kid. I was an athlete. I always had an interest in what was going on in the country that uh, was my uh, naturalized nation. Because, as you may know, I'm a immigrant, a legal one, and a naturalized citizen. Uh, So I always had an interest in the country and the policies that affect all of us. But you know, I was an ordinary kid who played baseball, basketball, football, and chased girls.
0: That sounds good. Now, where, where were you born then?
1: I was born in a slum in Brazil. My mother realized that she couldn't take care of me. So she put me up for adoption, telling the folks at the little mission where she took me that she wanted me to be adopted by Americans because mm. she believed that if I came to America, perhaps, perhaps I'd be able to learn how to read. Mm. And to her, that was a great calling. She knew that America was the land of opportunity. She wanted me to come here. I was very blessed because too, uh, missionaries, adopted me, brought me to the U.S., and I had the opportunity to grow up in Pennsylvania. So when I talk about opportunity, which is really at the core of my message and the freedoms that we need to pursue those opportunities, it really comes from deep within my heart and within my soul.
0: And when you say you grew up in Pennsylvania, you actually mean in the Delaware Valley itself?
1: In the Delaware Valley. I, my house was in Warminster, about uh, three quarters of a mile from the Montgomery County line, I went to school in Montgomery County. I uh, went to college in Pennsylvania. went to law school in Pennsylvania, and my entire career has been right here in the Keystone State. So I've never left Pennsylvania since we first arrived here.
0: And believe me, Linda, we've been trying to get rid of the guy. You know, like for, I can't tell you for how long. So, <laughs> so take it away, Linda.
1: There's a long, there's a long line Whoa. for that, Mike. <laughs>
0: Charlie, um, what was it like to work for Ronald Reagan?
1: Well, I was, you know, incredibly blessed to join the Reagan team when I was still in college. I mean, I was a pup. And it was one of the great blessings of my life. I mean, you look back on it, you realize that we young bucks helped to change history. And working for Ronald Reagan was an incredible privilege. I mean, what you saw on television and the medium was exactly what he was. There was no pretense to the man. He was one of the warmest, most decent human beings I've ever known. But he was also someone who was incredibly principled. He knew what he believed in. He knew what he stood for. And nobody was going to move him off of that. You saw that in Reykjavik. You saw that with uh, Mikhail Gorbachev when he told him to tear down the wall, which turned out to be The ultimate demise of the Soviet Union. So, working for President Reagan, Linda, right up until and including the arrangements for his funeral was a great privilege and one that I will always hold very dear. And when he was shot, what were you thinking? You know, I'll never forget. It's one of those moments where you remember exactly where you were, exactly what you were doing, and it felt like a piece of your. Guts had been torn out when I got the call. I was on the phone, actually, with a member of Congress, and he said, Charlie, hang up the phone and turn on your television. President Reagan's just been shot. And it was a gut-wrenching day. We all literally got on our knees and prayed for the president. And as you know, uh, the Lord spared his life and gave him what he said was time to do the things that really were so necessary and so vital for the history of the world. Well, I was also wondering uh, why you're running for governor. There's also going to be an open Senate seat. Why do you choose the governor's race? I think that you can do a lot more as the governor of Pennsylvania. And looking back over the course of the the last eight years, we realize how much needs to be corrected and turned back in the right direction. We've got a governor who thought he was a king We have a governor who from day one was trying to dig his hands deeper and deeper into the pockets of Pennsylvanians with higher and higher taxes and more and more spending and more and more government and less and less individual freedom. So those are the things that I think really need to be turned around after a year of lockdowns and shutdowns with us being forced to stay in our houses, our schools being closed, our businesses being locked down. uh, We've got to turn around the economy. We've got to get back to normal. And we've got to make Pennsylvania, again, a place that's truly attractive for people to raise families, create jobs, live and work. We've got to stop the outflow of our kids to Texas and Arizona and Florida and South Carolina and get folks wanting to be here in Pennsylvania.
0: You know, one, you mentioned uh, Ronald Reagan earlier, and one of the uh, things that the media love to talk about is the civil war inside the Republican Party, which has to be the longest war in the history of mankind. <laughs> I've, I've been hearing about it since I was a little kid. Uh, but how would you describe what it means, in your opinion, to be a Pennsylvania Republican in 2021, as opposed to being a Reagan Republican in 1981?
1: Well, I'm still a Reagan Republican, and I make no apology for that. And I think there are a lot of other folks that are as well. And where I see Pennsylvania Republicans today is creating and building a new coalition, a coalition which has welcomed in a lot of working class folks who weren't previously attracted to the Republican Party, right. most of them Democrats historically. I think it's a wonderful thing. I see us making real serious inroads in the minority communities, not just the African American community or the Asian American community, but my own Latino community. And I want to do a lot more to reach out to folks who are not traditional Republicans and welcome them to a growing new coalition. I'm a coalition builder. That's been my entire career. And I think that there's a real opportunity now for Pennsylvania to build a broad coalition, not just politically, but culturally and economically as well with new opportunities and new hope for every citizen of Pennsylvania, including those that haven't necessarily felt they had those chances before.
0: Does that coalition include people who supported President Trump and opposed President Trump on the Republican side? It
1: does. And I think that without both of those Republican factions, we're doomed to failure. So I think we've got to find a way, and I think I can help to do that, to fuse the so-called establishment Republicans with the energy and vitality that the Trump voters and Trump supporters brought to the party.
0: But can you imagine a time when you were younger, when the Reagan Republicans were going to be the establishment Republicans, those (laughs) insider squishes? Can you believe that?
1: that? That is one of the things that is a little comical to me, because when I was a young guy... You know we were the conservative renegades and the establishment republicans were sticking daggers in every part of our anatomy (laughs) i still got the scars to prove it most of them in my back but you know it, it is kind of interesting to see that yes the reagan republicans are now viewed as the establishment republicans but in many respects there's some good to that because it means that there is a whole new element of people that are deeply committed to conservative values and to the things that we hold in common. And I'm going to look for the things that we share rather than the things that divide us.
0: Linda? Well, I was wondering when you're not working, uh, what do you enjoy doing?
1: (laughs) Well, that presupposes that there are times when I'm not working, but I, I, (laughs) I, I, I love a couple of things. I still love sports. As I alluded to previously, I was an athlete growing up, so I still love sports. I still struggle with the Philly pro teams, and I'm a little down on professional sports right now, as you might imagine, but Villanova basketball is still very near and dear to my heart, always will be. but I enjoy two other things. I enjoy travel. I've had the chance to see a lot of the world. I've been very blessed by that, and I want to see much more of it because, as the line from the Lion King said, you know, there's more to see than can ever be seen, and I want to see as much of it as I possibly can, and I enjoy sitting in my den with a book in my hand, reading late at night. I you know that is probably counterintuitive to anything anybody knows about me because I'm a pretty high energy guy, but at the end of the day, I enjoy a good book.
0: What kind of book?
1: I am like Thomas Jefferson. I read no fiction. I only read uh, biography, history, and books that relate to professional things that I'm interested in. I don't read fiction. I know a lot of people enjoy it, but it's not for me. It's all non-fiction.
0: So what was the last biography you read?
1: The last biography I read, I'm just finishing up, is a biography about Robert Morris, a famous Pennsylvanian who signed both the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, and who was really, in many respects, the financier of the American Revolution, and who, when he said he would pledge his life, his fortune, and his sacred honor, really meant it because he ended up in debtor's prison.
0: Yeah. It's a fascinating tale, uh, of what the uh, people chose to do to, uh, Bring to make America come forth on this earth. It's it's astonishing. And you think about the fights that they had when 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 it was literal fighting, and then you think about the conversation now where people say, Oh, our politics are too polarized. We can't possibly come together. And you know, people on the left and in, in the Democratic Party, there's no room to cooperate. And yet, even the day that we're speaking, there was that a scene at the White House of Joe Biden and 10 U.S. senators, Republicans and Democrats. Uh, coming together on what might end up being an infrastructure bill. And I'm just wondering if you think the way forward is for a, a Republican nominee to really energize the base and have a base versus base fight, or if you think there's room to run the way people used to run, say, you know, 15 years ago, where you started with your base and then you tried to expand it and to reach out and to even pull people across the aisle or are the teams so entrenched now that nobody's going to switch their Jersey and come join the other side.
1: No, I'm going to be working every day to expand our base to me, politics and especially winning politics has always been about addition and multiplication and never about subtraction or division. So to try to dice up the electorate and now, sneak out little slivers, is to me a failed strategy at the end of uh, the discussion. So I want to build a broader coalition. I want to bring new people into the Republican Party. I want to build a winning team and you know, not only win an election, but win for the people of Pennsylvania. Our campaign is a campaign from the people for the people. It's going to be that from day one. But that means bringing a lot of new folks to our way of thinking, to our side, to not only vote for us in an election, but to support the policies that we want to see promoted. So yeah, it definitely means expanding the base rather than having a base-to-base fight. And I'll be doing that every single day, reaching out to folks who have not historically been Republicans, to a lot of Democrats, to a lot of independents, and to a lot of voter demographic groups that we haven't had that much success in talking with previously.
0: Well, thank you so much, Charlie Giroux, for joining us on the Delaware Valley Journal podcast. We appreciate your time.
1: It's been great to be with you. I thank you very much, both you and Linda, and I hope to join you again sometime in the very near future.
0: We are counting on it. For Linda Stein, the news editor at the Delaware Valley Journal, I'm Michael Graham. You can find us at DelawareValleyJournal.com, on Twitter at DV underscore Journal, and on Facebook at the Delaware Valley Journal. Thanks again.